Welcome to the ONS Energy Talks, a podcast where you meet experts on energy, technology, and sustainability. Hello, and uh, welcome to this podcast by Learn and ONS Future Talks. My name is Sylvia Seres. Our topic is energy, and my guest is Fritjof Anander, uh, an executive director from uh, Research Council of Norway. Welcome, Fritjof. Thank you very much. Your division really is uh, the resource-based industries uh, research space? Yes. Uh, our division is focusing on research and innovation related to what we call the resource-based industries in Norway. That would be the energy industry, the oil and gas industry, uh, but also the fishery industry and aquaculture, uh, harvesting the resources of the oceans. But stuff also, that Norway is really good at. Stuff that Norway is really good at. Absolutely. <laughs> cool so job. I, that's a cool job. <laughs> but also, I also have the responsibility, or we do have the responsibility for climate and environmental research. Ah. So that's very important in order to also to harvest the opportunities that we have in these these resource based industries. Is of course to do that in a sustainable way. Yeah. So I, I also think Norway has some of the best researchers in the world in these areas, and um, and I, I, you know, I'll, I, I, ho- I hope we can say a few, a few um, words about that. But before we do that, could you say a little bit about who Fritjof is and why he does what he does? Yes, um, I've been with the research council for for about ten years now, and that's a, that's a great job. And but before that, I was a researcher and an analyst myself. Uh, I worked with energy technologies but I worked with uh, seeing sort of how energy technologies as such could change energy markets and and reduce emissions Uh, so in other words looking into how we can with policies and investments push energy technologies so that we'll have a more sustainable future to put it like that uh, so that was very very interesting years when I and I contributed to quite a lot of interesting studies both uh, in Norway and also internationally and this was at the point when technologies were not rapidly developing the same way they are now, uh, and there was less focus on technology development in, in in policies. And as we all know, we need to 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 have new technologies in place if we're going to meet the climate uh, targets. So that was a big change that happened maybe 15, 20 years or 10, 15 years ago, I would say, that energy technology come, come much more at the forefront. Uh, which, of course, makes my job today very interesting because today I have, uh, or the Research Council where I work, we have the uh, the responsibility for investing in research and innovation that leads to uh, to technology developments and potentially then also um, value creation and business opportunities for those who, who succeed. So um, I just want to highlight something that you did not mention. Um, you are a techie by trade. You are trained at the Norwegian yes. Institute of Technology. Exactly. Um, and um, then also you're, you're in my head, one of these perfect hybrids for the future. Techie by training and then uh, a global outlook by trade where you worked for the International Energy Agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think the sort of both research and problems and regulations that you are dealing with are global in mm, nature. Absolutely. And I think sometimes we struggle, you know, we, we, we can't really fix climate one by one country or a one by one uh, research silo. So uh, 
one of the areas that I, I think would be interesting to understand is how do you how do you get these research silos to collaborate better? You know, how do you get the materials people to work with the oil people who work with the, you know, battery people? Well, to put simple, sometimes we say if you don't do that, you don't get funding. Mm. You don't get money. So we, so we have, uh, we have some, uh, let's say, direction in the way that we, we um, organize our calls. When researchers want to have funding or even industry, when businesses apply us for funding, uh, they have to answer to the calls we put out. Sometimes we put emphasis on that we need to have a collaboration between, for example, social scientists and technologists mm. uh, in order to get mm. the right projects. And then they, the project proposals are then evaluated on the basis of, of this. Uh, and we see that through that we, we do manage to stimulate research groups to collaborate more, both within institutions and, and also mm. among institutions. And I think this is also very important internationally. It's not just in Norway that we're trying to do that. Uh, and I think also that the international trend uh, to, to look at this technology and the interaction with society and the economy in a more interactive manner is, is, is a very important international trend. And we need to understand that and, and, and work on that if we're going to solve the climate uh, challenge. I, I, um, I am very, um, I don't know, maybe politically incorrect on this, but I think for all the young researchers, we have to basically force them into two slight uh, diversions. One is have an international experience and the other one is have a good experience with a project that's strongly footed in a mm. field not your own. Mm. Because I think this cross-functionality, diversity, call it what you want, is necessary for the mm. future. And I'm smiling because uh, looking at your um, mini CV, I see you were also at UC Berkeley for yes, a while. Yes, I was. Which means you must be a little bit of a hippie as well. You don't look like one, <laughs> but you know, we used, I mean, a big heart for society, I guess. Mm. Absolutely. And being at Berkeley, I was there both as a student and also as a visiting scientist. It was really an eye-opener for me because at that time, in the, when I was a student in the, in the early 90s, it was a little bit, I would say, the subject and the disciplines were a bit more segregated here than I felt in Berkeley. In Berkeley, it was more that we researchers and students work together in a group to solve a problem and it didn't really matter where you came from. The point was to find a solution and to work on that. Uh, and that was very, very inspiring, and I learned a lot from that. Whether it turned me into a hippie or not, that's a different question. But uh, but I guess there is some hippish to to. No, I, I think hippie, uh, yeah. what they were known for uh, sure. during my time at at uh, uh, Silicon Valley, but very close to the Stanford mm. gang, was you know these were the techie nerds, and those were the kind of absolutely. the tree huggers. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and and I think being that is super important now because I think some of my super technical nerds are a little too one-dimensional in a sense that we'll create the mm. best technology for the efficiencies that mm. we are creating. But having this um, much more wide uh, radar mm. in terms of how, what's the second derivative of the technology that mm. I create mm. on society, mm. I think is one of the really important questions we need to think about. Mm. Funding research, but also mm. supporting projects. Absolutely. And I think also given that how fast things are moving in terms of particularly in terms of digitalization it opens up new doors and it impacts society much faster than it has uh, previously done and in it may be in some ways more complicated manners to so to understand the implications of new technology uh, is more important than ever so so how does one do um, research and then later commercialization of this research in private or public companies in energy sector. What are some examples? 
Well, often we um, there could be issues related to if you want to develop, for example, batteries. There could be some technical things that you really need to do hardcore research on. Uh, and then you would have a research project where for typically researchers at universities or research institutes would work on that. And then they get uh, basically 100% funding from, from us. Uh, that part is can be very important for uh, value creation or for business opportunities in industry. One, and, and often industry wants to work with the research groups in looking at how this technology can be applied. And then we can typically su uh, support projects where industry and researchers can work together. Uh, and, and often the every industry will then pay some of the research themselves, but it's a collaborative project. That's sort of the second category mm. of projects we have. Then the final step, if you like, in, in, in the research uh, uh, funding chain is what we call innovation projects. And these are projects where the industry themselves or businesses themselves can get money to, to research on the technology before it's ready for commercialization. But of course, this sounds like a very linear process, which it isn't. So, so the whole point is that you get, you, you built up a number of projects and, and researchers would be in, involved in different types of projects. Some, some of the projects maybe being closer to commercialization, so others more basic. Uh, science oriented mm. and then you get this interaction uh, hopefully over time you get more let's say clusters of industrial actors businesses mm. new and mm. and established uh, to 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 work together and from that generate innovation and we have quite a few examples of that i, I have a, a confession to make a confession of a converted academic uh, because I, I used to be in academia uh, ages ago and um what I have fallen in love with, with the private and industrial sector, is the sense of urgency. Mm. And so mm. I really am very fond of your innovation projects. Uh, I know it's very important to think long, long term, but sometimes I think that universities might use this long-term excuse as an excuse not to, um, not to be paranoid about mm. the speed of change, mm. in a way. That's a very important point because today it is urgent. We need, if we think of climate, the climate challenge, but also other sustainable development goals. They are, you know, as we all know, they're linked to 2030. We're going to achieve a lot in the next 10, 12 years. We have to. Uh, but that means we have to also uh, make sure that research delivers in the shorter time frame, yeah. which, is very, which is why it's very helpful to couple research to industry or businesses because they cannot wait 20 years making money so they the, the sense of urgency that businesses have in yeah. generating uh, money uh, or business is uh, indeed also consistent with what we need in order to meet climate challenges for example so we do work a lot on that in terms of now putting more emphasis on research that can of course contribute in the longer term but at the same time deliver uh, solutions that can be implemented very quickly and hence uh, then working with industry. So I, I think you have one of the most exciting jobs uh, in Norway, globally. I don't know, because you are, you're working in a space where Norway is super good. Yeah. I think process technology, materials technology, energy technology, we've proven historically, culturally, that we love doing this well. Mm. And, then, and then you are at this crucial time in history mm. where so many things are becoming suddenly possible mm. and you have to give direction. And so I have a question with that with regards to that direction, because there are two ways to think about this. We should support more of what we already do extremely well, mm. or we should look for holes in the market and in our research space and create good research to fill those holes. 
do you do both? Do mm. you do more of one or the other? We do both, and I think it's 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 not so easy to say that this is a whole and this is established because it all works together, and and we find new new solutions also based upon on existing technologies. So, so it's all interlinked. But we, yes, absolutely, we work with we one or we we also provide advice to the government in terms of where we need to put have more research funding, and and in doing that, we also work on looking into where are the holes. I mean, where where are where are the critical components we need to have to do changes? It could be, for example, to succeed with the CO two capture and storage technologies. We may need to do more research on membrane technologies, basic research. It could be some areas that we haven't. Give us an example. What? Why does one do research on mem- membrane technologies? Who needs that? For example, in 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 capturing CO two from flue gases from power plants, that could be a one way or, of cap- capturing CO two. If you don't have the right membranes, you cannot you cannot pursue that technology uh, the same way as you could do if you didn't have the the membranes. That's just that's one. So example. it's one big important cog in this whole decarbonization yes. journey that is necessary for us to reach yes. our climate goals. And another example is material understanding material tech. You know the, the how we produce materials, for example, silicon for for the solar PV industry is extremely important because that's that's the basis for producing solar cells, solar PV cells, and having having research on, for example, how you could how, how you thinly. could you can cut this very thinly exactly, and understanding the basic materials uh, is is this is basic research, but it's also extremely important. For the industry to produce to, to to be innovative on on solar PVs, this is an example where basic research leads to innovation and value creation almost a day after, or not all almost a day after, but but it, it's not a lag of like ten years from basic research until we commercialize. So the solar PV industry is a good example of that, where things have been moving very rapidly. Solar fo- photovoltaic. Photovoltaics, yeah. yes. So so what you're talking about here are examples of projects and research done, which I think are super examples of this cross functionality that's required. Um, um, you know, is it chemistry? Is it uh, physics? Is it um, uh, engineering? Is it electrical? I don't know. Even 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 uh, playing with mm. stuff. Um, I was at the NTNU, the, the Norwegian Technology of, uh, University, in Trondheim, and um, and the stories they told me about their new solutions to storage, data storage. Mm. It's some biology in there. Mm. There is some uh, synthetic uh, nanotechnology. Mm. I mean, it's an amazing mix. Mm. And I think you you are kind of providing in, uh, in incentives to mix. Absolutely. And I think we have, in Norway, we have the oil and gas industry in Norway. It's, that industry has been very sort of mission-oriented. They're building huge oil platforms, right? You need to get them finished and constructed. And it's extremely complicated. And also you have subsea production and so on and so forth. So these are tremendous tasks that has required also that different scientific fields work together. So I think we have a long experience in Norway in combining technology areas and, and disciplines when it comes to uh, to this industry and we're sort of very project oriented goal oriented from the oil and gas industry and i think that's something we can utilize also in other areas that we we think that we have the picture of actually building a huge oil platform when we actually when we, we try to develop new technology think of this as a huge mission huge task that we need to to to, mm. to succeed in
mission-oriented research is always more inspired, I think. Than yes, and, and I think it's very important now, uh, because of the, of the urgency we have when it comes to climate and the need for rapidly developing technologies. And as, as we already talked about, that this is also important for, for industry because they need to, to move fast in order to, to gain access to markets and to succeed in markets. But listen, the whole area, energy, um, it's a broad field, as we said, and it's a complex field. Uh, where should people go to start uh, learning more about the trends and about the uh, most important developments? There are lots of publications out now in, and there are lots of newsletters uh, stating uh, you know, how things are moving in different technology areas. I would though, uh, maybe recommend that uh, uh, the International Energy Agency have lots of different publications. They have one publication that comes out every other year that is called Energy Technology Perspectives that g- gives sort of a status description of important energy technologies and also they put them into a context into future scenarios long term scenarios and look at how how different scenario uh, how these technologies fare in different scenarios so that could be one example if you want to have a reading list uh, although the the information access now on, on the internet related to energy technologies of course massive but it's important to find the right uh, i think the right um, sources and mm. the focus yes would you like to leave people with a quote something as a little gift yes i think uh, actually when if you look at energy it's been looking uh, most lots of companies that look at energy as energy markets you're selling coal oil or uh, gas and you you make money from selling energy i think it's a big shift now that you instead of selling making money from selling energy you're selling energy technologies we invest in renewable technologies in hydrogen supply in batteries and so on so when you analyze this you see that there is a shift towards making money from oil and gas and coal towards making money from selling energy uh, technologies of course it's not a one step overnight but it's it's moving in that direction so Very. so from energy markets to energy technologies would be my quotes then on that very cool um um, what do you think people should have as a sort of a picture from uh, in their minds or the most important takeaway from our conversation? I think that uh, it's clear now that there's a lot of things happening now when it comes to, to, to technology development. And some technologies uh, are uh, developing very rapidly. Solar, photovoltaic industry, for example, and batteries. So that's very good. But at the same time, it's going way too slow. Uh, when it comes to meeting the climate challenges. Uh, so, uh, to this year, unfortunately, uh, global CO2 emissions are higher than ever. It's the highest ever. So despite that we feel that things are happening uh, in a positive uh, way, it's not going by far fast enough, which means we need to, to, to find new ways to, to push technology development in all areas. It's not just solar PV and batteries that can save us. It's more efficient buildings, it's industry. So we need to, to really to look in all areas. Step it up. Step it up. And then the thing is that once we step it up, those who are smart and find, see the opportunities that come from this will can also make a lot of business. So it's, uh, technology can deliver a lot. It's urgent. We need to push. But for those who succeed, this opens up uh, big opportunities for businesses. Also for researchers. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming here and inspiring us about energy. Fritjof Fernandez from the Research Council of Norway. Thank you. And thank you for listening. <laughs>